Well, good morning, church. It's good to see you this morning. Um, Obviously, I am not Pastor Jim. If you are a guest this morning, my name is uh, Dustin. I serve as the pastor over student ministries here at Hillcrest. Um, Unless I am not good this morning, then my name uh, is Doug Kimsel, uh, who is... My boss, so (laughs) probably not a good joke right there. Um, It's good to see all of you. Pastor Jim is over at our Spanish Trail campus this morning, so we are excited uh, to have him live and in person over there, loving on our church family uh, there that we love um, so much, and so we are grateful for them. We also want to say a special welcome to those who are online this morning, watching online. We're grateful for you uh, tuning in with us, and so hope this is a blessing to you uh, this morning. Hey, before we get started this morning, can we just give a quick thank you to the unsung heroes of this place every week uh, that oftentimes goes unnoticed? Um, This production team uh, here is absolutely uh, the best. Uh, they, all of this, the lights, the sounds, the cameras, uh, there's hidden rooms around here where to make these cameras all work and to get it all online, and they're just the best. So can we just say thank you to these guys real quick? Y'all are, y'all are amazing. Many times going unnoticed until it doesn't work and then they're really noticed, right? (laughs) If you have a copy of God's word with you this morning, uh, you can either turn it on or flip to. We're gonna be in Mark chapter 10, uh, starting in verse 46 this morning. We are gonna be continuing in on our series entitled The Jesus Method, where we are looking at some of the questions that Jesus posed to his followers throughout the Gospels. So this morning, we're gonna be in Mark 10. Read with me, uh, starting in verse 46. And they came to Jericho, and as he was leaving Jericho with his disciples and a great crowd, Bartimaeus, a blind beggar, the son of Timaeus, was sitting by the roadside. And when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out and he said, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And many rebuked him, telling him to be silent. But he cried all the more, son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus stopped and he said, call him. And they called the blind man saying to him, take heart, get up, he is calling you. And throwing off his cloak, he sprang up and he came to Jesus. And Jesus said to him, What do you want me to do for you? And the blind man said to him, my rabbi, let me recover my sight. And Jesus said to him, go, go your way. Your faith has made you well. And immediately he recovered his sight and followed Jesus. Several years ago, my oldest son, uh, Hollis, uh, we were uh, teaching him how to pray and kind of beginning that process. And he was probably two, three years old. And we were walking him through this idea of what praying is and how uh, how we come to the Lord and we pray to him with our needs. And so one morning I woke up and I'd slept wrong and had a little pinch in my neck. I know some of you have experienced that. And so I'd ask April, I said, listen, will you just rub on my neck just a little bit? And so she's rubbing on it. And you know, when you rub on those knots, it just starts to hurt sometimes. And so I am, I am you know, grunting and you know, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a dude, so which means I'm a pansy, you know, with stuff like this anyway, right? And so I'm like, ah! And so Hollis comes and he jumps up on the bed and he's like, what's wrong with daddy? And April says, well, his neck's hurt. Hey, this will be a great opportunity for us to pray. Will you pray for daddy's neck? And to which Hollis says, absolutely. And, and no, no joke, this is how it happens. He says, God, would you please heal my daddy's neck? And he waited just a second and he says, why, yes, I will. 
And I was like, I was like, oh my gosh, that is, that is great. I was like, you know, we, we, we probably want to correct that. You know what I mean? Like we, we, we don't want to teach our kids that uh, it's okay to, you know, answer prayers for God. That's probably not what we want to go with. Um, but, but then I, remind, I was reminded that there's some truth in that for me. And the truth is that Hollis had no doubt that God not only heard his prayers, but that he was going to be faithful to answer that prayer. He had no doubt. This text today reminds us of the amazing gift that we all have been given in being able to boldly approach Jesus. And it also shows us how eager he is to hear from us when he presents us with a question this morning of what do you want me to do for you? You see, unfortunately for many people in here today, we are not fully taking advantage of this gift. There are there's some people, uh, maybe even some in here today, who really struggle at some point in their walk with Jesus with exactly how to pray. And, and so if you're like me in those times, you may have asked questions like this in the past. You know, well, well how do I even start a prayer? Right? How, do, how do I do that? Is it like writing a letter? Like, do I, do I say, dear God, and then catch him up on what's happening on my life as if he doesn't already know? You know, like how, how do we even start a prayer? Or, you know, what do I say to God? I mean, he, he is, he's God after all, and, and I'm just me, and we know us, and so we're like, what does someone like me say to this all-powerful being, right? Or, you know, and then how long do we pray? How long are we supposed to pray? Is there a time requirement to make it count? Or, or can I just pray for a little bit? Or, you know, if I pray too long, do I get extra credit? You know, <laughs> like, what does that work? Or, you know, hey, what posture am I supposed to have? Can I, can I pray standing up? Or do I have to be on my knees? Or I need to lay on my face before the Lord? And do my eyes need to be closed? And, you know, if, if I'm praying at bed and I fall asleep, does it still count, right? I don't, I don't know, maybe, has anyone else do that? Like, um, you know, what kind of language am I supposed to use? Am I supposed to talk to God? Like, does it need to be super formal or proper? And do I need to have a bunch of Bible words so that he will understand it? You know what I mean? Like we process all of these crazy questions and then we read verses like 1 Thessalonians five seventeen that instruct us to pray continuously. And we think to ourselves, well, man, I, I barely pray for five minutes, much less continuously. And so we feel like this is, an unachievable task, and so we simply don't engage. Can I, can I, be, can I just be honest, be real with you guys this morning? There, the times in my life personally when I have prayed the least, it has been the, uh, been the inevitable result of either pride in my life or a lack of faith, usually, usually both. You see, you and I, we fail to pray because we are too proud to realize that we need God or we are too unbelieving to grasp God's willingness to help. Because you see, for all of us, sin in our lives, it thrives by a combination of pride, which is, is thinking too much of yourself, and unbelief, which is thinking too little of God. And all of our spiritual problems begin with overestimating our size and underestimating the size of God. You see, for all of us, prayer, prayer for all of us 
ought to be like breathing, right? None of us in here today have consciously disciplined ourselves to breathe. We just do it, right? And likewise, when the gospel has cultivated humility and faith in us, we will pray continuously, instinctively, because we will realize how much we desperately need God for everything and how willing he is to help us. And so this morning, we're going to look at what a blind gentleman named Bartimaeus can teach us about prayer by looking at four ways that we can enhance our prayer lives. So if you have a copy of the, the worship guide when you came in, it's got some blanks there you can fill, along, fill in for us. The first thing is this, Bartimaeus shows us that we are to be persistent in our prayers. Reminded in verse 47 and 48, and when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And many rebuked him, telling him to be silent, but he just cried all the more, son of David, have mercy on me. You know, there's, there's something very interesting happening in these verses. At this point, Jesus' popularity was growing. And this is the last noted miracle in the book of Mark prior to Jesus' triumphal entry. And so these people who are following Jesus, they have seen him do some really great things for people. And Bartimaeus enters onto the scene, sitting on the street corner, going around about his daily ritual of, of begging uh, people for the spare change when they, when they pass by. But then he hears that Jesus is in the crowd and he begins to call his name relentlessly. And Bartimaeus cries out for mercy over and over again, so much so that the crowd tries to muffle him, but they couldn't do it. He only got louder. And this is important because this crowd, even after witnessing a multitude of miracles, still underestimated Jesus' willingness to help any who are in need that call on him. And it's also interesting to note in this text that this, this miracle is actually recorded in three out of the four gospels. However, in Matthew and Luke's account of this miracle, there are several beggars present and none are, are identified. Yet in, in Mark's account, only Bartimaeus is addressed and he's personally identified by name. And many scholars believe that that is due to the fact of his persistence in pursuing Jesus. Like his, his faith made him stand out. And church, may that be a challenge for us today. May, may the, the same be said of us that when we call on the name of Jesus, the faith in our heart cry would make us stand out. I, I, you may have seen this on the news over the past few months, but, but Pensacola native Joe Anoa, better known as WWE superstar Roman Reigns, about four months ago, uh, he, he had to temporarily step away from wrestling uh, due to being diagnosed with leukemia. A few weeks ago, Roman Reigns returned to uh, WWF with, WWE with the great news that the strand of leukemia that he is battling uh, had gone into remission. And as he was talking to the live audience, he, he was uh, making this announcement. He's thanking the, prayer, the fans for all of their prayers and well wishes. And he said these words. He says, man, there were so many people praying for me that God's voicemail was full. I truly believe that God was up there and in his head was thinking, what's going on down there? All of these prayers for this one guy? 
And now listen, there's a lot of theological discrepancies in what he said, right? Like not, not gonna debate that, but there is a foundational truth in his statement that persistence in our prayers is vitally important. That's, that's really important for us. And so my question is, do you realize how much you need him? Do, do you know how willing that he is to help you? James 4, 2, a verse that should flood your heart with hope says you have not because you ask not. I mean, we should be praying for your kids. Pray for your kids. Pray for your kids' future spouses. Like right now, you're thinking, well, mate, they're, they're just in the preschool. Well, great. That gives you more years to pray for them, right? Pray for their spouses. Pray for God to protect your marriage. I pray for my wife every single day. Pray for your marriages. I don't have to remind you that the number one place of attack that the, that the enemy places on us is in our homes. Like he wants to destroy your marriage. He wants to destroy your home. He wants to destroy your kids. And we need to be praying against that. That's, spiritual, that's a spiritual battle. You need to be praying for that. You need to pray over your job. Pray over your addictions and your struggles and your, your heart. And as you do these things, you will be reminded about how little control you and I actually have and how desperately we need him. And, and don't just pray for these things once or twice. No, persistently, every day. Because listen, desperate people do not permit the crowd to keep them from Jesus. And so shed your dignity and grab hold of the willingness of God and let your desperation overwhelm your dignity. The second thing uh, that we can learn from this story is how the Lord desires our prayers to be personal. He desires, desires our prayers to be personal. There are a few things that's happening in this text that really uh, stick out about this encounter uh, that shows us how Jesus desires a personal connection to each one of us. First, it's, it's interesting how Bartimaeus addresses Jesus by identifying him as my rabbi. Rabbi, is, as many of you know, is translated uh, from the word rabboni. This, is, this word is, is used only twice in the entire Bible. Uh, this is the first time, and probably um, uh, more well-known the second time was when Mary Magdalene refers to Jesus this way, the first time she encounters him after he has been raised from the dead. The name, the word means master or teacher. But don't miss the personal pronoun on the front of that where he says, my rabbi. He was their personal master, their personal teacher, their personal savior. Another area that sticks out here about showing the personal side of, of, of our relationship with Jesus is, that, uh, is when he's saying, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. You see, this, this is a good model for us to pray because we are in desperate need of his mercy daily because of our rebellion, because of our selfishness, because of our impure thoughts, because of our sin. It's the same words that David actually um, uttered himself in Psalm 51 after Nathan had confronted him about the sin with Bathsheba when David says, have mercy on me, O God, because of your unfailing love. 
Because of your great compassion, blot out the stain of my sins. Listen, there is not a person in this room who doesn't need the mercy of God. There's not one of us. And Bartimaeus knew his desperate need, and we must do the same. And the, the, the another area, the last area here that really sticks out uh, in this section of, of Scripture is this, is that is Jesus and his disciples here, they are traveling south in the land of Israel, making their way towards Jerusalem for what would be Jesus' final Passover. And in just a few days, Jesus would arrive being hailed as a conquering hero by the masses, but it wouldn't last. Because the tide would, would soon turn and the crowd would begin shouting for him to be crucified. But it's along this journey that Jesus has an encounter with Bartimaeus who is totally help, helpless. You see, not only is Jesus a master teacher, he is also a servant leader. He literally stopped on his way to the cross because he is a compassionate God who leaves the 99 for the one. And that doesn't make a lot of sense to any of us until we're the one. You see, the reality is that you and I, we are Bartimaeus. We are helpless and we are in desperate need for Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And the unconditional and undeserved love of Jesus looks at each of us and says, what do you want me to do for you? A few weeks ago, our community experienced a great tragedy. Uh, when a Tate High School student and his sister were killed in a car accident. And we had the honor here at Hillcrest of, of, to host that funeral. And as the service was ending, Pastor Lonnie Wesley from uh, here in town, Greater Little Rock Baptist Church, he said something so profound that it has stuck with me since then. He's standing right here and he's offering a chance uh, he's offering salvation to everyone. He's offering a chance um, for uh, people to respond to the gospel. And, and seemingly nobody responded. But then he said these words as he was leaving the platform. He says, I'm praying that the Lord gives you another opportunity to respond to him. And, and that's just stuck with me because church, listen, it is a sobering thought that this could potentially be the last time someone in this room could hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's a real sobering thought. And it is the epitome of pride to think that you will have more opportunities or that you will give your life to Jesus later. That's pride. What do you want me to do for you means that you need him to reach down and save your soul today. And you need to take heart of the words that these guys also uttered in this text where he take heart, get up, that he is calling you. But for others of you, what do you want me to do for you today looks different. I posed this question on my Facebook page a few days ago. I wrote, if Jesus asked you the question, what do you want me to do for you? What would your response be? 
And between the public and private messages, within just a couple of hours, around 85 people had responded within the first few hours. And, and I, I just typed out a couple of them. I just want to read a few of them for you. Um, I didn't put your name on this, so if you responded this, you just... Make me to never sin again so I stop separating myself from fellowship with you. Make the journey I'm going through count for good. Let it be a positive influence on others and lead them in a closer walk with Jesus. Teach me my journey involves a lot of people, not just me. Heal my son and make him anew and whole. Please make my path straight and restore me. Take away my disbelief. Heal my mom. I guess I would ask for wisdom to face difficulties, especially those of family conflict. Help me to better understand where the boundaries are with toxic relationships and families that that don't know you. Friends, there is a lot of hurt in this room. There's a lot of hurt with your next door neighbors. There's a lot of hurt in your family. And these same words that Jesus spoke to Bartimaeus are the same words he is speaking to you today. And like Bartimaeus, you need to heed the words of Hebrews 4.16 that says, so let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God and there we will receive his mercy and we will find his grace to help us when we need it most. And when you do, like Bartimaeus, you will experience the third element of prayer that we're gonna address this morning and that is experiencing the power of prayer. Experiencing the power of prayer. Isn't it funny that Jesus asked this blind beggar, what do you want me to do for you? I mean, think about it for a minute. What's the purpose of that question? Even if you weren't the son of God, you could have figured this one out, right? There's a blind man in front of you saying, have mercy on me. No, Jesus knew. Jesus knew the purpose of the question was this. Jesus was putting the ball in this guy's court so that Jesus could show us that the initiative for miracles lie with us. God's miracles come to those who ask. We were, when we, uh, many of you, if, if you're a guest, we, we have adopted, uh, our youngest son is adopted from Ethiopia. And when he, uh, we were about six weeks out of the adoption being finalized and us traveling over uh, to bring him home, uh, we got notification from our agency that there was a new regulation the Ethiopian government was dropping down and said this. It said, if, uh, if, if this regulation passes, then the, basically you can't do the visa in the same trip. So you have to go over to Ethiopia. We'll let you meet your son. You'll take him to the visa office. You'll do all the paperwork. Then you give him back to the orphanage and you get back on a plane, come back to the States, hang out for a few weeks while it's being processed and then fly back over to Ethiopia to get your son. And we were just, we were just blown away by that. We, no, no, we can't. And so we start trying to figure out how are we gonna make this work? Can, is April gonna go over there and just stay for this whole duration? How do we do that? And man, and this was, this was on a Thursday and this regulation was coming in on Monday morning. And so our agency said, hey, listen, you guys are so far down the list. Like you just need to know like this is a thing. And so we're like processing all of this when we're gonna have to meet our son and then leave him. 
And then not even, not even talking about the, it was going to be about $5,000 more for plane tickets and travel and all the things that we didn't have. And I just remember, uh, we both, we contacted everybody we knew. We had a blog back then and we were updating everybody. And we're just like, please pray, please pray, please pray. And we, need a, we literally need a miracle here. And, and we went to our church that we were serving at at the time. We had a special prayer service for that on a Sunday over that just man god we need you to intervene here we need you to intervene here and monday morning rolled around and april got a phone call uh and the the lady is our is our rep and she said april are you sitting down which is never a good sign right and so we're like oh my gosh what's wrong and she said i have no explanation for this but you guys were literally at the bottom of the barrel like there was no chance but for whatever reason your case was approved today, and it was the last one that was approved out of everybody. And so you only are traveling one time. And you'll go over there and pick up your baby, you'll do the visa and all the stuff. And she said, I have no idea. I have no idea how this happened. And we said, well, well, we can tell you how that happened. We can absolutely tell you how that happened. Absolutely. And listen, Whereas in that scenario, we saw the Lord give a resounding yes to the request of many. Can I say this to you this morning? If he would have given a different answer, he would still have been a good God. Still a good God. You see, his character doesn't change with how he chooses to answer prayer. It's called faith on our part, right? And the answer may be yes, the answer may be no or the answer may be not yet, but you'll never know if you choose to not ask. And Bartimaeus didn't know how Jesus would answer, but that didn't stop him from calling out to him. And when he received the words, tell him to come here from Jesus, don't miss what happens. See, he throws off his cloak and he immediately approaches Jesus. And when he throws off his cloak, he's basically discarding the only real possession that he has. This cloak protected him from the elements. It served as his bed. And so for him to fling this cloak aside shows the level of faith that he had. And it also shows the level of risk that he was willing to invest in order for Christ to do the one thing that he needed most in life. And by the urgency in which Bartimaeus responds, we know that he knew that Jesus could provide the healing that he desired. And Jesus did it in large part because the man believed that he could. And it's important to note that after he was healed, Bartimaeus immediately followed Jesus. And that's revealing because it indicates that this blind man had his eyes opened in more than one way because he approached Christ with genuine faith, which was why Jesus responds to him in, in, in verse 52 when he says, go your way, your faith has made you well. You see, it wasn't the miracle that changed him. It was his faith. His faith made him whole and he knew what Christ could do for him and he knew what he wanted Christ to do for him and it was the gift of faith that gives sight to blinded eyes and more importantly, life to a darkened heart. Jesus took a man who had reached a dead end with his life and gave him both a future and a hope and faith in Jesus was the key that opened that door.
You see, the most profound miracles of God will always be those within the hearts and souls of his people. Moving a mountain is nothing compared to changing a heart. And Bartimaeus had pure motives. And with faith, he approached Jesus. And as a result, he experienced life-changing power. And that same power is available to us today. But we must access it. Which brings us to our final point this morning. How do we implement passion into our prayer lives? So this morning, as we get ready to wrap this up, I just I want to briefly share with you a few ideas and some resources with you that, that could possibly assist you in your prayer life. These things I'm gonna share with you real quick. These are things that April and I have used personally and have been a game changer for us in our prayer lives. And so there's a... There's like anything, there's a myriad of, of options. These are three that I just wanted to show you real quick and point out that these are ones that we've used. Um, this book right here, it's called Fervent by Priscilla Shower. This is one, April loves this book. Uh, this, is, this gives great, uh, it's, it gives you a battle plan um, for being very strategic in your prayer life. And there've been many, many times, if you, could, you can't see this from up here, but there's so many pages that are bent down, <laughs> so many highlights in this book. We use this book a lot uh, in our prayer lives. And so uh, this is a great book. Um, Praying the Bible, this is a, a, a focus group that we do here occasionally at the church. Some of you have this book. Um, I love this book because um, di- reading for me is a discipline. I, have, I don't enjoy, I'd much rather watch basketball, right? Um, but I know that it's better, I need to read, whatever. And so I love this book because like, here it is, bloop. I read this book in a weekend, right? These are my type of books. Um, I love this book though because it tells you like so many times if you're having a problem in your prayer life and you're stepping in and you're like, I just don't really know what to say, right? Those are things we would never say out loud, but they're, they're in our heads, right? I don't really know what to say. This helps you with this. This literally shows, teaches you how to pray scripture and it uses the Psalms on how to do that, right? And so how, how, do, you, how do you take Psalm 48 and, and attach it to your prayers? Great book, great book. So I would encourage you to do this. A few weeks ago, not a few weeks ago, a few months ago, I've really felt the Lord impressing on my heart uh, to really step my game up with him a little bit. And so I was really challenged to a podcast I was listening to um, to where uh, this guy was, was suggesting, uh, he does a 15, 15, 15, like quiet time with the Lord every day where he spends 15 minutes in the Bible, 15 minutes reading a book of some sort and 15 minutes uh, in prayer. And I was thinking to myself, man, I, my schedule, I mean, I know that I'm the only one busy, you guys are not, but um, just kidding. I, I know that we're all busy. And so I'm thinking to myself, that's 45 minutes in the morning and you want me to spend 15 minutes of that in prayer? Like, man, what is that? And so I bought this little prayer journal and uh, it says, be strong and courageous is a verse that we both felt like uh, God had impressed on our family for this year. And, uh, and so in this, uh, it's just covered with prayer requests. And so I have a section for my family. I have a section for um, some um, our, our student ministry staff. I have a section in there for um, some of our Hillcrest missionaries. I have a section in here um, that I just, I mean, I just put it out on Facebook one day. I was like, hey man, I would love to pray for you. Like, how can I pray for you? It broke my heart. It was super cool, but it broke my heart at the same time because within like 30 minutes, I mean, there's pages in here of people who are just, man, just really going through a hard time. And I mean, I consider it an honor. So every morning I take this prayer journal and I open it up and I start praying and I'm pretty sure, I mean, I set a timer because I'm type A, um, 
AAA, and right? And so it's like 15 minutes, like when's the 15 minutes up? I don't wanna open my eyes because then the prayer doesn't count, right? And so <laughs> that's a bad joke. That's not even right. Sorry. I just made fun of that the first part of the sermon. Probably need to list my own words. But, uh, but I, what I found interesting in that is that 15 minutes is not enough. It's not enough. And I get that some of you, man, you've got young kids and you're, you're getting out the door for work and 45 minutes is just not doable. But you know what is doable? 10, 5, whatever it takes, do something, right? And so use some of these resources. And, and, and the last blanks on your page, and then we're gonna wrap up this morning, is this. Uh, there's an acronym that we've used for prayer. We've used it in our home with our boys. We've used it with our students. We've used it with our college students. Um, many of you know this acronym, but if you don't, you can write this down. It's an ACTS prayer. And so the acronym A stands for adoration. This is, this is in a time of when you're praying, this is the time of prayer that focuses on simply praising God for who he is, right? There are so many benefits for you when you express gratitude to God. So A, uh, C stands for confession, right? Sometimes when we pray, we feel like we have to have it all together or we, kinda act, or we have to act uh, more formal than we do in real life, but um, we can be real with the Lord. Um, we're not hiding anything from him, so a great practice is just to be honest and real with him and be honest with the stuff that you are struggling with and he's not gonna send a lightning bolt and strike you, I promise. Like he, he knows these things. He's a father who cares deeply about you and about the stuff that's going on in your life. And so C is for confession. T stands for thanksgiving. Uh, when we are thankful to God for being strong and kind and trustworthy, it's, it's a way of complimenting him while reminding ourselves how desperately, desperately we need him for all of those things. Because when we praise him, we help our feelings align with the truth, right? So adoration, confession, thanksgiving, and the S stands for supplication. Asking God for something is not wrong. In fact, we see this in the text today of someone who approached Jesus and had a request for him. The Bible teaches us to bring all of our requests to God, but maybe you could try uh, asking for someone else, right? Instead of just letting your prayers be you focused, pray for your friends, pray for your siblings and your parents and your teachers and your enemies and all the people. Just pick one person and pray for him or her over the next couple of weeks. Just choose that person, just pray for him continuously. You see, prayer is not a formula. Neither are conversations with your friends. You don't always connect with them the same way, but no matter what you do, the goal of prayer should be the same, and that's connecting with God and knowing him better. 